0: Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is football and random things here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Coming to you from the Carl Chevrolet Studios in Ankeny. If you're looking to buy a new or pre-owned vehicle, Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny. And Stewart is the best place to do it right off exit 90 at The Rock in Ankeny. And then if you need to know where Stewart is, just look it up on Google Maps or take a nice little jaunt down I-80 West. Yeah, it's really
1: hard to miss if you're going West on I-80 it's the only thing between here and Omaha.
0: That is not accurate. That's not true. What about Adair? What about Adele? Adele? Adele. My dad. Adele. My bad. Adele. <laughs> Does she have uh, a concert out there? <laughs> what about the little gas station in between Audubon and Atlantic? Uh, sorry, I'm man, I missed that. Maybe forgetting about the truck stop in Harlan? Come on, Jeff. That actually might be in, in Avoca. I'm not 100% sure really where the...
1: You know. This is me as a pompous Des Moineser, not a, uh, not a salt of the earth, Western Iowan.
0: Exactly. So, sorry. I know my g- gas station's on I-80. <laughs> 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 oh, man. And even the nice little town of Shelby is there uh, right off of, uh, right off of I-80. There's, an, there's a McDonald's there. That, what is the
1: population needed for something other than a subway? Like how many, like a Jimmy John's, like what's Jimmy John's standard? Cause I feel like they're not on the interstate, but subway will put that crap anywhere. Like you want, you want a sandwich I got
0: 77 people that will walk through in a month. Throw a subway in there. You're <laughs> fine.
1: We're good enough.
0: Well, I mean, in Clarinda there's, there's about 5,000 people in Clarinda. and there is a McDonald's, a subway and a pizza hut mm. and a runza. Damn. So settle down. Yeah. Settle down. Yeah. In like three cases, two cases, I guess. So pretty big time, you know. Sorry. If you think, I wonder what the population ratio is for a cases. Like, what does the population (laughs) have to grow to for them to be like, okay, we need another one. (laughs) Ten to one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there's three. So I live.
1: Oh yeah, an- no, I, I live yeah. in Ankeny, um, where the kind of the evangelical college is, where it's 25 miles or yeah. 25 miles an hour on State Street, like in that neighborhood. Well, there's three cases within about a three minutes drive. Yeah, you and I live in the same neighborhood, basically. Yeah. And so if you were to the one that's right on the fir- first in State, and there's one first
0: in State, Irvine, Irvine Dale, and first, and then there's uh, 18th Street, yep. and then there's now going to be one out on 36th Street as yep. well. So there's at 36th and Irvine Dale. There's four
1: that are within probably three minutes of each other
0: yeah there's actually two that are basically in the same parking lot uh over off Oral labor at Oral labor in delaware oh, yeah, yeah yeah, yep within like 500 yards of each other gotta make sure probably we probably not one. even that many it's like 10 to 1 10 to 1 ratio that just has never made any sense to me but i don't know well they made a lot of money <laughs> yeah they've yeah made a lot of money i just don't understand the one or like the ones so close together on the north side of Ankeny. that makes absolutely no sense just I don't because know. they can. It takes like a minute to drive to each one. Just in case they're out of the gas that you want. I was going to say, I guess, well, I guess I know that if I ever run out of gas, if I think I'm in danger of running out of gas one mile before I could get to, the, to another Casey's, like... Damn it! Yeah.
2: We can't make it. We're
0: already on fumes. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so Iowa State plays Iowa this weekend. College game day is coming to town. Jay Jordan is going to join us on the show during the second segment are you excited Jeff
1: I am and to for all those that had caught it in the three minutes of live stream that we had earlier um we're just re-recording the entire introduction to it because technology was just not sound so we'll get that fixed up as we go
0: yeah we're sorry to everybody who wanted to see us on the stream today I'm discouraged as well by the technical difficulties but we're going to get it figured out we'll be ready to go for next week and do you know what makes you feel better what game day Game day makes me feel a lot better. If you want to order a College Ames Day t-shirt right now, do so at teamcloset.com slash cyclonefanatic. I'm wearing the shirt right now, man. It feels good. It looks good. And if you are I'm ordered, hyped up, Jeff, order, what before 4.30. I'm ready to go, Jeff. Let's go. Let's get it, dude. Before th- 4.30 on Tuesday? 4.30 on Tuesday if you want to get that shirt in time to wear it to College Game Day on the south side of Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa mm. on Saturday, September 14th for the Seahawks Rivalry. Mm. Mm. I'm so excited We're going to take a break We'll be right back Football and Random Things On the Cycling Fanatic Podcast Network
3: Check out our monthly specials at Floors Direct On carpet, hardwood, and luxury vinyl To save you even more Bigger selection than the home centers Expert service And always better value Floors Direct Say yes Mortgage, NMLS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender.
0: Welcome back to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. We're going to be joined by Jay Jordan in about seven minutes. Mm-hmm. That's going to be some serious football dorkiness. It's going to be some serious football dorkiness. I'm just going to hit record and walk away.
1: You might just be able to do that. It's one of those things where, like, you know, if you have you ever done it before where you had take two phones and then, like, you have to be like, like, hey, Siri, and then have, like, the okay Google, and, like, they'll just talk to each other, and then you can just leave the phones there? That's pretty much what's going to happen. You ever uh, done that before?
0: Yeah, pretty much. No, I've never done that before. I don't know why you would ever do that before. Because it's fun to
1: make technology. It's fun to feel smarter than technology, when you are really not, but be like, ha, it's like putting like with a dog and like trying to make it eat its own tail. We're like, ha I'm smarter than you, but you can do it with phones, even though they have access to every piece of information that's ever existed.
0: So before Earth. we talk to Jay Jordan on the phone, we're going to get all of our college game day thoughts out of the way and just get this over with. Uh, what do you think about the location, first of all, south side of the stadium?
1: Uh, that was actually my initial guess of where everything was going to be. Uh, and then I talked myself out of that initial guess, think, thinking that would be on Central Campus. Um,
0: that would have been awesome. That would have been my preferred Yeah, location, that's what I was thinking. Like,
1: it would be really cool. But it's also a little bit, it's a distance away from the stadium. So I can see how it would be kind of, uh, I mean, it'd be a solid 15-minute walk mm-hmm. to get from the stadium or from, from the game day set to the stadium. It'd be a, a distance. So um, I'm actually pretty glad they put it there. What's kind of cool though is they had just finished that what this past off season. Or, yeah, and so that kind like of
0: pavilion era
1: area. So it's and Sukup, it wasn't there seven years ago. Yeah, the end zone itself is done, and that's going to be done. So it's now kind of a showing off of the new stuff that's happening. Yeah, um, and you also have. Uh, you'll get really good kind of that, you know, the drone footage B roll that they're going to have as they're coming in and out of it, because it's going to be right next to the stadium. And that's the bigger facade of the stadium. So you're going to be able to see this like Mon, you know, mammoth. The only other bigger side of it is when you look from East, from the East side, looking West to where it says, you know, the Iowa state, right? Like on the Jack top Tric of that, stadium. Jack yeah. stadium, excuse me. Yeah. Um, that's the only other, what looks bigger. So it's kind of like this, it'll be the proudest presentation of Jack Trice. So uh, I think that's really cool. And, and the tailgating lots are still right there. So they're gonna be full, you know, again, like we are talking about, especially because that's right in on university. So that's right where everybody comes in, like the shot, I'm guessing they're gonna put Jack Trice in the background, um, I bet the Sukup family is thrilled about that because their logo is just smacked up right there yeah I guess it is isn't it so but yeah I bet they're thrilled um but anyway the uh I I think it's really really cool with location it's a quick walk from anywhere to get from the tailgating lots to where that's going to be so you know once the show ends and I, I don't know how quickly they tear down the set um, I'm guessing it's a pretty pedestrian pace because they just, they well, yeah, don't have I think anywhere. they probably do it on Sunday. Yeah. So if they either leave it out or, or even if just slowly kind of take down the critical parts, like your cameras and mics and yeah. the
0: netting and stuff and like take that stuff
1: down and leave the rest of it.
0: Well, they do live shots for sports center from there. Oh, they do at nighttime. Okay. At least they used to, I, I assume I, that
1: they still do that. I don't remember. I guess I haven't paid that much attention to, to what they do after game day is over. Yeah. Um, but once, I mean, the tailgating atmosphere is then going to be just extra heightened, Just because nine to ten, like normally, that's probably right about when people would be kind of arriving there. So it just pushes the timeline of when everyone's going to be getting to Ames up like three hours. Because I think um, I would guess that normally, under 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 normal circumstances, there would be twenty thousand people at six a.m. that get to Ames for that tailgate, and then by the time the game kicks off, there's you know eighty, ninety thousand people that are around there, um, including people in the stadium. Well, because of game day because they're both ranked because it's now a big thing. Like I know I've talked to, uh, was it the the gym this morning and mm-hmm. two different people were like, well, I don't have tickets, but I'm just gonna go up there anyway. And so like that is probably a, a really big population, at least 20 to, I would assume 20 to 30,000 people are just gonna, additional people would just go up there to be part of the atmosphere. So I bet at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. when that, that lot next to where they're gonna be doing it fills up, I bet there's 45,000 people by 7 a.m. descending into Ames. And the show doesn't start till nine. Right, and so it's gonna be bananas, especially because if people are getting there at six. Or wait, I guess the show, show starts at eight. Show starts at
0: eight? Yeah, they do three hours now.
1: Oh, okay, well, good to know. So I bet, I mean, but that thing's gonna be full by yeah. six or seven. And so I, you know, that from six to three, it, when kickoff is, that's nine hours for people to tailgate, which is going to lead to an absolutely bananas crowd mm-hmm. that by the time kickoff rolls around, eh, if we have 100,000 people or 115,000 people somewhere in there that are, that are there, probably 10,000 are going to be out of commission, like yeah. out of cheering commission by the time 3 p.m. rolls around. Hopefully, maybe not that much. Maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but... Uh, and, and roughly 80%
0: of those will be in the student line. Right. And... <laughs> Chad and Kyle are going to be passed out. Chad and Kyle and, uh, and Brad will be ripping his jewel, trying to bounce back in time <laughs> to make it to the game. Hydra- hydrating up, getting, uh, hydrating up with his, uh, with his nicotine vapors. Yep. Got to make sure
1: you, uh, stay well lubricated. got to stay well hydrated with your, uh, with your jewel. Yeah, bro. exactly. Um, no, but I think the environment, it's, it's going to be incredible. And, um, I think after having a bye week, um, I think Iowa state fans are eager to get back to watch something yeah. and it just so happens to be a rivalry game and it just so happens that the crowd or the, the game day crowd is there. I mean it, it the environment, the atmosphere is going to be something that is not, that hasn't been at in, in Ames for a very, very long time. If ever
0: being a former player, put your, your player hat on. <clears throat> would you have, would this in any way get you excited or would you, they like even really be on your radar? Like obviously they're not going to be there when game day is happening. Uh, How would, you know, what would kind of be on in the mind of a player right now this week with that happening going and everything else going on around the game? I
1: think for me, I was usually, I guess the only difference that would make, if I was, say, a junior or a senior and I was one of the guys, I mean, it kind of happened where I, like, me personally was the kind of guys that they would trot out for doing interviews and stuff. Oh, yeah, I
0: remember. Like You guys want Woody?
1: yeah yeah so that would be cool because it'd be like oh i might get interviewed by lee corso or might get interviewed by kirk Kerbstreet or you know that might be the cool part um and so you kind of fanboy that a little bit but other than that i mean it's a rivalry game that you're already juiced up about yeah you already know this the thing is is you know this opponent so well um it's not really a question of what are they going to do it's can I do what I want to do better than they want to do? And so your focus is really not external at mm-hmm. all. So by the time you get gone, I mean, we are played, uh, we played keynote night games and, and stuff like that. Like this is the 3 PM game. This is the number one, 3 PM game of the day. We were, there were games when we were the show. I mean, it obviously wasn't game day and obviously it wasn't this staked and we were never playing a rank versus a ranked, but there were times when we were the keynote game, like mm-hmm. you're playing whatever. I don't know. We were had say we had a winning record in some like, Texas had a winning record or something like that. We're playing at 11 a.m. That is the game on ESPN that they're showing or on ABC ABC, that that they're showing. So you don't really pay attention to the fact of like, Ooh, people are watching. Cause like, what's the difference between 2 million people watching and 2.5 million people watching. Like you don't really have, it doesn't register so much that anything's different. So you're just going through your process. It's just, the only thing would be is if you're a guy that does interviews, it'd be kind of cool to be like, Oh shoot. Like Desmond Howard might be, asking me questions about how I play defensive back. Like that's, that would be kind of cool.
0: All right. Time to pivot the conversation a little bit now. And basically end my entire contribution to this podcast As we welcome Cyclone Fanatic contributor, Jay Jordan on to uh, football and random things. What's up, my brother,
2: gentlemen, happy to be here on a Monday morning,
0: man. This
1: is Jay and I going, I I was saying this full football dork mode right now.
2: Oh gosh. You have no idea. Well, you do, Jeff.
1: I do. Jared doesn't. <laughs> the, listen, the listeners, I, I wonder, because, yeah, I think we've only done this one other time that we've recorded, um, and it was for a recruiting thing, which I, I'm not as familiar with that you're more familiar with recruiting and Jared is, but I don't think we've done an in-season, Jay and Jeff go full football dweebs moment at all.
2: We have, we have not. So, we, we talk
1: about it a lot. Football dweebs. First question, what is your general feel going into this game if you are an Iowa State obviously, you're on Iowa State side, you are on Iowa State side. What are you looking at with Iowa? What is your general feel of this game?
2: Um, okay, get more specific with me. You want just like just what do I think about it totally in general or yeah gen- general
1: gen- we we'll, we'll we'll get more granular in a second like general theme like as as a what are you expecting physical, fast, in the box out of the box like what is your general feel of what you're thinking?
2: from the Iowa state side. I've got less of a feel and more of a desire for what I want them to do because um, I'm not sure I have a feel. But if, if, I, if I have to get pinned down on it, then I expect them to run to the edge with speed and counter with uh, RPOs and uh, their tight ends um, in the sinks. That's what I expect to see with pace. I think we saw some pace in that I game. I don't think we talked about that, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but early on in that game, they came out with more pace and tempo than they had uh, at any time last year. And They mm-hmm. slowed more as the game went on, mm-hmm. but I expect that tempo to be ramped up.
1: Well, and I think this is a defense that you actually can tempo against. Um, yeah. This is a team that... Iowa is a... I, everyone knows this. Iowa is a team that likes to control the tempo themselves. They like to... We're going to run it. It's like Kansas State, where we're going to take it down to eight seconds on the play clock, make sure we have the right play, make sure we have the right front, wait for you to tip your hand, and then just physically move you around. And that's on both offensive and defensive sides. That's where they're comfortable, is in this kind of heavyweight wrestling match, not a, not a featherweight, you know, featherweight boxing oh. rather than featherweight boxing. And they're not trying to move around a lot. They're trying to sit there and be powerful. Well, power, it only, power only exists when you have energy. Because it takes a lot to be that powerful and so if you're a team that's going on tempo and you start to get them on their heels you start to get their, especially their front seven out of breath I was back seven or I was back four or five is the weakness of their defense and the front seven is their strength so if you can start putting their their front seven on their heels by getting tempo 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 big dudes that have that much mass they're having to move takes a lot of juice so this is a team you're talking about tempo. This is a team that uh, you, if you start getting rolling is a very good opportunity to get yourself continually rolling with tempo. So I think you're right. As far as seeing how fast they're going to go, um, because this is a different, uh, this is a totally different look than what they saw against Northern Iowa. And it's beneficial to them wanting to do uh, a more conventional offense.
3: Yeah. And
2: okay. So for three years I've been writing, about this game and not just this game that there's other teams that do this too but iowa in particular they are a go forward defense you know what i mean by that meaning they, yep. they 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 are strongest when they are moving forward through the gaps and through their disciplines their secondary and their linebackers when those guys are coming downhill Then they are very hard to play against because you don't have enough time to get over the top and you can't get any space in the running game. Yeah, and that's what they do. Yeah, they
1: build their defense. For those that aren't really sure, this is again a little football dorky. For a lot of times, I will play a straight up cover two, um, right? Like a conventional cover two, like the same type of cover two that you'll teach your seven year olds when you're just basically installing a defense. All the time. They'll play that. A, a, major, a, a pretty vast majority of the time, and that's regardless of defensive coordinator, whether it was when, but since Ference has been there, they've almost exclusively been that cover two. Well, the, the good thing about a cover two is it keeps everything forward. Like if you have, if you're playing, you know, like the, the routes that Iowa, or Iowa State ran last week with a lot of underneath stuff with, to Deshante Jones to, to Charlie Kolar, that stuff is really, is pretty well covered by a cover two because yes. simply by math, there's four linemen, You have two safeties, so that's 11 minus 4 minus 2. So you have five people left. Those five are spread across the middle of the field. It's that intermediate zone stuff. That's where Deshante Jones made most of his money last or the last game. So Iowa likes to prevent that. The downside of a cover two is you have two guys to cover 53 and a half yards side to side deep. So if you can get time and you can get down the field, there are significant gaps in coverage that are exposed by a cover two. But like you're talking about, they play forward. So the defensive line is going, they're just counting on AJ Epinesa, getting to your quarterback before your receivers can find those deeper zones because it takes time to get there.
2: And that's what I want. And you know what else? The other thing they do, Jeff, is they close down. What they do when they start going forward is they close down the second level block. So the most effective second second level block is one that comes at depth, right? At four, three to four yards before the linebacker gets mm-hmm. up into the line and becomes a first level player, they close that down to where you're having to make a second level block at one and two, which isn't a second level block. And that's what closes down the run game. And the technique, so got,
1: yeah, the go the technique they use to do that is called a two gap. Um yep. And so they they're probably I would think them in Alabama are the two, and I would say well. Alabama's just really good at everything, but them and the the schools like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia that have better defensive line talent than the opposing the opposing teams. I was the really kind of the midwestern version of that, where what a two gap means is if and I think I've kind of explained this um, in other articles and you probably have too. But what a gap is is if between the center and the guard there's a space because there's not a human there. There's literally just air between them. That is called a gap, and what that A lot of times a defensive player in most conventional defenses, a defensive player will be responsible for that gap. So like a defensive tackle will be responsible for the a gap on the left side of the defense. Well, what a two gap is, is rather than playing, hey, defensive tackle, you're responsible for the a gap is there. They'll say, okay, defensive tackle. You're going to be res- you're going to play the guard straight up. You're going to pl- eventually on the snap, you're going to look him eye to eye and if the ball is coming towards the A gap, which is to your say your right, then you're going to throw the offensive player, you're going to get your arms extended, you're going to throw the offensive player to your left and play into the ball which is now in the A gap. Well, if the ball is going to the B gap, which is to your left, you flip it and you throw the lineman to your right and play the other gap. So you are responsible for two gaps as a defensive lineman. If you're good at that, then that means your four linemen can take up eight gaps or six gaps specifically because they're covering kind of doubling up, which means your linebackers don't really have anything to do so they can play downhill really, really fast. So the th- the way you were talking about is closing down that second level block. They, yeah. I will play as a two gap. And the other thing that that does, and a lot of times you'll go like, well, that's a nothing play. Like it's not necessarily a TFL. It's not necessarily a sack, but the play just is like a zero yard play. Cause it just looks like the, looks like the running back is running into trash is as I'm doing that two gap and you know let's say I'm the defensive tackle and I'm trying to throw that guard to my left and play to the ball on my right well let's say I guess wrong and I throw him down if I do a good enough job I'm snapping that guard to the ground so that's taken a 300 pound six foot two man and made him a pile of something a pile of distraction on the ground and you have two or three guys that do that. Then you have just a mass of people that are just kind of causing a pile on the ground. So a two gap when it's done really well is you're causing, you will put yourself in one gap. You're putting the lineman in the other one. So you're blocking off both opportunities for the running back to get there. So even if you don't guess right, even if you don't read it correctly, if you do a snap down technique, like that's what Adrian Claiborne so good at is if, if you if you throw him correctly, if you put in there correctly, the running back literally just doesn't have anywhere to go. So right. that is what Iowa does. Is th- it's this really boring because they don't blitz much, they don't br- change to con- change their protection or change their uh, coverage a lot. Is they play really aggressive downhill, like you were talking about, two gap on the defensive line, and their linebackers play really hard up the field.
2: I also yeah, have to hang say, hang on a second, I, I I've got to go. Uh, excuse myself so i can uh go take a distraction
1: um <laughs> uh, that's, we, a, that's a poop joke
2: that, that is that's, that's a poop a, joke jared coined a new one. i know you got to be on a high level to follow us on that on
0: stuff. fart welcome to fart, yes. Jay. yeah welcome to yeah. welcome to fart uh
2: <laughs> one I'm, I'm using that forever now take a distraction,
0: distraction.
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> distraction
0: i have to say um, oh, okay what, are you, what were you gonna say
2: yeah, I got to respond to that on, on, okay, so now now we've established what the problem is. So the solution and the teams that, that has success against them are either outright good enough to limit that effect by physical winning physical one-on-one matchups. Iowa State's probably not in that category. Um, or they're good enough scheme-wise to make those guys just what Jeff said earlier, which is get them running, right? get them tired, get them moving, uh, stretch them out so you cause uh, a momentary pause on their read. So so I think that for Iowa State to be successful, they've got to do – I'm going to hark- harken back to the uh, 17 game. So in the 17 game, our off, we scored, what, 40 points in that? Or was it 43? They got 43. Uh, we scored 40 points. Where we had success was when we ran that little – you remember that little half fake option toss Mm -hmm. out to Montgomery to put it on the edge. We saw some good edge blocking and edge running uh, against you and I. I think that's critical uh, for stretching and and stopping some of that and getting around. But then we also pressed from the outside in. So I always talk about the seams. Everybody gets annoyed at me because I talk about attacking the seams. So against the two deep, the reason attacking the seams is, is, Good is because you're not trying to throw it on the seam. That's where the two deep guys are, right? Mm-hmm. They're on the scene. Yep. They're trying to expand out. But you have two two things you do against the two is you widen them and then hit them in the middle. Yep. And if anybody watched the Kansas City game and watched Sammy Watkins take that pass and split the two deep uh, and go for that first touchdown, that's what they did. They came from the outside in. We did that to Marchie Murdoch multiple times and then hit Butler on a double move. Uh, taking advantage of their too deep uh, late in the game uh, on that big pass. Uh, but, but what we did is we came from that outside kind of slot position and even from the outside position, we widened it, and then we hit to the middle over the linebackers, over those five in front and in between the safeties. That's what causes them to start to back up. That's what takes a little bit of that go forward out of them. And then if you're running to the edges and you can do that with any sort of tempo, now, how you get there, it can be traditional routes, it can be RPOs. Um, I think Iowa State is well suited to do it because of the tight end. Well,
1: yeah, I was and gonna I say the, the tight ends are gonna be really critical to this because
2: that, that that's where I think it lies. Yeah,
1: yeah. Iowa's right best there. Iowa's best defenders are their edge or their edge defensive lineman. Obviously, AJ Epinesa, we know that he is the best player on the field, probably for either team. And um, he is their best player. So if you're gonna try and get an edge, you've got to seal him. And in right. order to seal him, a tackle is not going to be able to do it one- on-one. he just won't. But if you get a six foot 7 275 pound tight end who pretty much plays like a tackle with Saner or you get Chase Allen who's a physical SOB to, to also help in keeping that contained. The other defensive end I think is number 52. He's a pretty good he's a solid player. he's not like he's not 94. but you have two def- pretty solid defensive ends. If you get that sealed, you're then getting yourself to a level of the defense which you would feel much more comfortable with. Like, I would trust another, you know, I would trust one of the running backs um, against the the secondary of Iowa. It's just, you got
0: to get there. It's also notable that Matt Campbell just announced on the Big 12 teleconference that Kane Nwongwu is probable for Saturday's game. And he's very, he is as fast as...
1: Very important. ...to get him him space uh, on that edge to find that outside zone stuff to get a defensive end sealed and then just be like, hey, number three, go be real fast. Like we saw against Northern Iowa is just be faster than them and make their linemen run side to side.
2: Yeah. the other thing to do, Jeff, is a speed option is you give him a choice and you don't worry. You, you go block that second level and you give him a choice and you run a speed option with your quarterback who's got a little bit of ability to hurt you. Um, maybe he can cover both guys, maybe not. Uh, but but there's wrinkles that Iowa State has shown that we've seen that can threaten even a guy like Epinesa who can beat a good double team. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and look it's gonna be a grind and frustrating uh no matter what, uh because of that. But
1: um, Yeah, this is gonna be sorry. a fist fight of a game.
2: Yeah, yeah. And we're not gonna be successful at each attempt. But there's a chance to be, uh, if you're committed to it and you don't just uh Pivot to
0: the inside zone all right we got to take a quick break but we'll be right back talking more about iowa state and iowa i want to ask some questions about iowa state's defense going up against the iowa offense here on the cycle and fanatic podcast network you're listening to football and random things right now at flooring america save store wide on beautiful long lasting floors like high performance resista carpet and waterproof luxury vinyl plus buy with 30 months interest-free financing now at flooring america
3: Hello Cyclone Fanatics, it's Chris Williams and you all know that Cyclone Spirit is a force to be reckoned with. I want to tell you about something today though, it's called Through the Forever True for Iowa State. It's a campaign, a historic initiative by the Iowa State University Foundation. It's to raise donations that will benefit every aspect of the university. Cyclones everywhere are helping to reach the unprecedented $1.5 billion goal. More than 81,000 donors have given to the campaign thus far, including over 27,000 first-time donors. So far, they have gifted more than $1.2 billion. The cyclone energy is truly unstoppable. Now, this campaign has achieved an amazing amount of success thanks to gifts of every size and the impact it's been seen across campus from the Sukup South End Zone and the North End Zone construction to the thousands of students who receive scholarship support. You can learn more about this at forevertrueisu.com because the world needs more Cyclone Spirit.
0: Welcome back to Football and Random Things here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network in the Carl Chevrolet Studios. Thanks to some upgrades at the Carl Chevrolet Studios, we're able to get Jay Jordan on the phone here directly from our office in Ankeny, which is, which is big time. It's, well, at least it's big time for this podcast network. I'm not sure it's exactly big time for my uh, time speaking on it. No, you're. you're I, I need to embrace this moment right now while, your, while I'm in control. Your screen time
1: is pretty low. On uh, Yeah, it's a good podcast. thing we're not
0: on the stream because I've basically just been sitting here like dicking around for the last <laughs> like 15 minutes. <laughs> all right. Join the party, Jared. All right. So, I before I want to talk about the Iowa State defense going against the Iowa offense. But first, you know, you've been talking all this about AJ Epinesa and, you know, Jay called it a distraction before. I'm having a distraction in my pants a little bit thinking about Julian Good Jones trying to stop AJ Epinesa from. Uh, hurting our sweet prince, uh, Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, you really, you
1: got to watch, not necessarily got to, but if you're concerned or, or what, like, hey, how would you control 94 from hitting Purdy? Watch the Miami of Ohio game. Because what they did is a couple things, is you can mitigate a guy like that by one, getting the ball out just mathematically faster than he can get there. So as long as you don't just whiff, like yeah. you whiff completely, then he might get there in time. But if if you're getting quick release plays uh, you know, quick slant stuff like that, or, or quick hitches, or quick little swing routes, or, or whatever, and you're getting the ball out of your quarterback's hand really quickly. It will just, again, mathematically eliminate his capacity to get there. But in addition, that this is where the tight ends, the, having three really good tight ends, is going to be super beneficial because you might only ever run four, not ever. You might run four man routes more often than you run five man routes. Meaning, you have five linemen and one quarterback. Again, math: eleven minus six is five. So you have five. L- Eligible receivers tight end let's say you're in one running back one tight end three receivers so you have tight end running back receiver 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 that's five eligible take the tight end out of that because he's gonna stay in and help Julian good Jones block the t- block JJ Epinesa and maybe Epinesa beats the tight end and tight end falls down and then he has to face good Jones and maybe he beats good Jones and then has to fall down well likely by the time that that he would even just defeating two blocks by the time he gets to where the quarterback would be the ball should be out so you have to just send another person, whether it's a guard, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a fullback, whether it's a quarter or a running back, you have to send multiple things to him and you have to get him out of rhythm because as much as a quarterback has rhythm, um, think about if you've played uh, basketball before, I mean, you've played basketball before, but if you think about playing, you know, pick up basketball and you're trying to break somebody down on the dribble and you cross, you're dribbling it down half court, you have those like, you know, two or three steps and you kind of set yourself up and you're like, all right, shimmy, shake crossover. And at that point you feel comfortable because you've set your yourself up for that there's been rhythm and it's been unabated then you think about West Virginia and or press Virginia in basketball and they just get way up in your grill and it may not be that they're actually trying to steal the ball at that point but it takes away that comfortable approach rhythm that you have yes a a defensive end has that same thing where they have that approach rhythm that they're trying to get okay I know that I'm going to take three steps upfield because the tackle is going to kick step and back up and then at the time that I've got one two three steps then I'm engaging with somebody so he set himself up for that move well, if you're, there's a tight end right there, and just right away, even if he's going on a route and just goes chip, and just goes shoulder to Epinesa, that approach rhythm is now thrown off. And then the next play, you send a running back who's going to chip him, and it's one, two steps, then he gets hit. And then you send the next one at the tight end, stays there, and he also backpedals, and he's one, two, three steps, but now there's two guys there. And then the next play, you just ISO him one-on-one with the tackle. Well, you've just shown him four different looks he has no rhythm to get into. Are you That's going, right. is he going to probably still get a sack or a couple TFLs? Yeah, he's a really damn good player like you can't stop him but you can mitigate his capacity to execute by showing him multiple looks and getting him off rhythm so he doesn't know when someone's engaging with him and you kind of got to take your chance so this is where like kniffle and bryce meeker on the other side are going to have a really big opportunity because they're probably going to be singled most of the time with that other defensive end they got to keep that guy in check because you're going to have to send so much attention to 94
2: yeah and the other thing i would do is, is instead of four man routes i'd do three and a half Oh, kind I of have a chip guys. and
1: release.
2: Yeah, chip and release, chip and release, chip and release frustrates the crap out of out of a speed uh, rusher or an edge rusher like that. Especially if you're you're basically just running replace routes. And it's, you're just replacing where he was or where the linebacker dropped from, and dropping the ball to somebody. Again, that's that's a rhythm, it's a timing thing. But I also feel like Brock Purdy practiced this 40 times uh, against you and I.
1: Is getting the ball out on rhythm on time. Yep. Yep, and that's right and that's kind of uh, when you you know when you think about again I, I like basketball metaphors because there's only five people it's way easier to isolate if you're playing a team that has I don't know like Shaquille O'Neal because he's the most dominant player that I can think of he may not be the one that's beating you but you have to know every single square inch that he is occupying at any one given time because everything is going to run through him you can't treat him like another player you can't be like all right we're playing Shaq let's just you know, we're playing whatever man, you know, some man defense, and we're just going to put one guy there. You're going to put one guy there, but you have to sag everyone else towards him because maybe then you give yourself a shot. So Epines is a guy, you just got to know where he is all the time. You have to account for him every time. Like, find 94. I'm sure that they actually during, like, we would, we would do this when I was on offensive scout team because it's similar to like, like Tavon Austin, when we were playing West Virginia, they'd move him around so much. On scout, they would give... Us, we would be in our offensive white jerseys for practice. The quarterback is in his black or whatever color it was uh, to say, hey, don't hit him. But then you put the guy that is representing Tavon Austin in a green jersey. And then when he goes to get into a formation, all the defensive guys go number one, number one, number one, point at him, and then they can go, go about like the rest of their call. So they know where that guy is. I don't know if they would do this, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if they would put one of the defensive ends in a green jersey and say like, all right, there's 94, know where he is, there you go, and then set the rest of your, your offense kind of based around the fact of knowing which side he's on or where he's going to be or what his front is or stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised. He's just one of those guys you have to account for every single time he's on the field.
2: And all, and all of that said, is I mean, that's, a, that's an inordinately large amount of time spent to uh, one guy which is the one guy I, I, I think says something about the matchup. Mm-hmm. That one guy is a problem and everybody else, we feel pretty confident about Iowa state's ability to match up.
1: Yeah. I was, and, I, I was having and, a conversation. all just one little mini nugget and then you can pick back up. I was having a conversation with some Iowa fans up here, the really n- nice responsible ones that are respectful, that kind of fan. Um, and I was like, I would only maybe take two guys from Iowa's defense And trade them or substitute them in for Iowa State's defense and it's of the corner and Epinesa those are the only two guys that I would maybe be like all right I think they could be starters or play on this defense everybody else I'd take Iowa State I mean all nine out of eleven I would take Iowa State's players over Iowa's except those two guys
2: that's that's impressive I have a question scenario for you what's that? that okay Jared moderator
0: yeah, for sure, man. You Hey, you guys do your thing. I just want to hear you talk about the offense at some or the the Iowa offense at some point, too. So, you guys just do yeah. your thing, like I said, we'll and, be done. and I'll just and I'll just be here and I'll tell you when it's time to stop. We'll be here for another 3 hours.
2: It, yeah, this isn't their their offense, but but just just from a generalized preparation standpoint. Uh so in 16 and 18, Iowa was impenetrable, right? Right. They scored 6 points collectively. Uh, couldn't do anything. In 17, we scored 40. Now we had different quarterbacks for each of those those efforts, but I think it was more than that because in 16 you had we got beat by you and I, right, heading into that game. So everything's kind of in disarray. In 18 we get the false start uh, with the canceled game, so you've got the first game really being the Iowa game, uh, moving in that direction. Now in 17 we had a solid victory against you and I move forward and we saw progression and competitiveness. I think this year with the, now your view of the and I game could could skew this because it was a narrow, narrow escape, but we had a solid, solid game, solid offensive performance in particular uh, against you and I, at least from a yardage standpoint, uh, a bye week, clean that up and uh, now move into this. I think this is the best, Preparation window for Iowa State against Iowa in the four years of Matt Campbell.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's Please. I don't think that's a stretch at all. Especially because, like we were talking about, um, they probably kept a lot of um, bullets in the chamber for you and I. They didn't pull out a lot of the stuff that they're going to run um, or can run, and then they got to watch a lot of good game film. And you want to have mistakes. Like you, you obviously want to. You know, it'd be more comfortable if you won thirty-five to zero, but to be able to see mistakes in an environment that still you escape with a win, but to see struggle, to see pressure, to see, um, you know, you can do things well, 90% of the time, but 10% if you don't, then you got to correct them. Um, yeah, that was a really good game to learn from. They just have to show that they have learned from it to during this bye week. So, um, yeah, we can flip over cause I think for time, um, yeah, the, this, the Iowa state defense versus the Iowa offense is, I mean, if you, if those guys don't leave, like barely able to walk sore, I would be shocked. Like that, that is physical as hell on this side of the ball. It's not, it's not going to look like a lot is happening in my opinion, like from the kind of the untrained eye, there's going to be a lot of two and a half yard runs. There's going to be a lot of four yard passes. There might be a couple of missed shots down the field. Maybe a couple of big ones because you know somebody misses a coverage or or somebody like that Smith guy number twelve, the receiver, like may get open or something like. Like there might be a couple of those big plays. But for the majority of it, it's just going to be two really strong people punching each other in the face. That's what that's going to feel like.
0: If you're an Iowa fan, how concerned are you about not having Alaric Jackson? It what is he the? S- He's one of the tackles. Left tackle. Oh yeah, the one right, tackle, right, right, right. tackle, yeah.
1: Uh, I would be, I would be actually pretty concerned about that. Um, what do you think, Jay? Uh,
2: I would be. I think it's a, it's a uh, talent gap mitigator for us. Okay. for us for Iowa State. So, no, so I would be concerned. I'm not. You know, I was, I was hard to gauge with. Offensive line replacements because they all do the same thing and they all look the same. Jackson's special, but um,
1: I think Murphs is still pretty damn good.
2: But yeah, Werfs is special too. So, so they have ways to just like we were talking about ways to uh, cover up a, a bad matchup uh, against Epineta. They've got ways to do that, maybe maybe more than Iowa State does. So I don't know that that's a that's a difference maker because we don't. <laughs> I keep using we, I'm sorry, but Iowa State does not generate a ton of its pressure from those ends. Well,
1: I'm thinking mm-hmm. less less so as far as like Stanley getting hit, more so in establishing run game towards that side. Because who right. is who is that guy likely going against? Because he's a left tackle. Unless they move Werfs to the other side, who's the guy that generally plays on that side? It's Number five. You have to go against now... Any Wazirike, with a guy who, again, he's going to be pretty, I mean, Iowa kicks out offensive linemen like it's their job. They're really good. He's going to be a good player. But that guy's first experience is going to be a 3-4 defensive end who is different than any player they're going to play against. Like they, Again, they, this guy is practiced against A.J. Epinesa the whole time, but it's not the same style player. Number five is slippery as hell. As far as getting an edge or getting where you want to go, he's really long, and, and we've talked about it where like, if you want to just be entertained on a play, just watch number five. He's gonna, <laughs> I'm
2: just going to say, Jeff, whether that's he's, what I do. He's I watch ex- our defense, I'm always watching. Just them.
1: watch number five. Because whether he's extending somebody with his 17-feet arms or maybe they get into his chest, he somehow manages to slip around it. And so, I'm not as Yeah, Iowa State doesn't really rush the passer too much with their defensive ends. They cause a lot of disruption. So, you know... Um, Uh, Number nine can come in or they cause disruption. So Mike Rose can be the guy that ends up blitzing and causing pressure So they're not necessarily trying to get like hey Jaquan Bailey or any are gonna be our leading sack guys. That's gonna be cool. It eventually might happen But in the run game to that side, that's why where Iowa State's really good is They want Iowa wants to what they do on offense is they run outside zone as good as anybody in the country And what outside zone means is that the target of the running back is the widest guy On the offensive line he's going to take his steps and try and run almost exclusively at that spot well if he does that then at some and the offensive line we would call elephants on parade where you have guys all five linemen are stepping in unison pretty quickly to that direction at some point one of those linemen is going to one of those offensive linemen is going to get in front of and stop a defensive lineman so the fast flow of the play everyone's running in one direction all of a sudden somebody stops that's where the gap that's where the hole is that's where that's where the running back's going to cut to so where they do that and how they get to that is they have to combination lineman an offensive lineman and an offensive lineman are going to block a defensive lineman then once one let's say the tackle he kind of pushes him back to the guard and then the tackle climbs up to the linebacker well, in order yep. to push combo him off to the call. guard, that combo has to happen where the defensive the tackle has to beat the defensive end by enough margin that the guard who's starting behind him can get in front of him. So you, there has to be enough of a domination by that tackle to give the guard time to get around in front of him so that tackle can get up to the linebacker. You're not going to have that happen with any Wazirike a lot. So you're going to, they're going to try and run this outside zone to his side. And there might be times because he lines up inside the tackle. There are going to be times when he does get reached, but you're going to have another guy outside of there. But having a guy who is a backup tackle is again, still probably better than most tackles in the country. You're going to have him stretched and trying to climb off of number five, but he's never, he doesn't have it set enough for the guard to take over because number five is so damn good. So that linebacker then, whoever it is, whether it's Spears or Rose or whatever, is going to not have a lineman in front of him. He will be able to easily come up and make a pretty unabated tackle. That's what we were talking about with um, you and I had this conversation that the three leading tacklers for Iowa State last game were linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. That's because the defensive line does this so well. And now you have that guy in their predominant offense of outside zone, their predominant way of getting yards is combination block to a linebacker you can't really combo off number five very well
2: yeah and look it's i I will live offensively off of second and four and third and two yep that is where they want to be so the task for any defense opposing them is to make it second and eight and third and six now you've got the opportunity to bring uh creative pressure now you've got the opportunity to, to put pressure on timely pressure uh on stanley and force the game into stanley's hand
1: which you it's want as good as,
2: yes which is as good as he may be and everybody thinks he is that's where you want the game that's where you have a chance to beat iowa because if they're second and four and they're third and two all day long you, they are very comfortable running 14 plays down your throat yep and they're they find. go ahead go ahead uh-oh, the
1: one thing. Do we have a pissing
0: match here? Someone
1: just yeah.
2: talked.
0: <laughs> this,
1: is a, this is a, it's a Canadian traffic jam. We're like, no, you go ahead.
4: No, you go ahead. Yeah. No, you go yeah, ahead. Yeah. No, you
2: yeah, go yeah. ahead. So, so I'll go ahead. So so to do that, I think the most important player in run defense uh, against outside zone, and maybe football guys are going to tell me I'm crazy, but is Ray Lima. It's who cuts off the cutback. Mm-hmm. Because what Jeff was just describing is they run to create a lane. The play is not designed to run all the way to the edge and get the edge and go the play is designed to create a cutback lane so there's a there's a play you can use the same zone blocking uh technique we call it cut right yeah mm-hmm. so you know the running back takes it and he's looking for a specific cutback hole and a gap that the line is trying to create they're not running cut they're running an outside zone which means that that could be a cutback all the way against the yep. lineman where it cuts back off the backside tackle because everybody's been washed or it could be something that opens up in the middle where that combo and climb occurs that that Jeff just talked about. That makes the most important player, Ray Lima, who sits in the middle, can occupy and dominate that combo on him, which breaks down the numbers advantage on the outside and the outside zone. So if he can close down the cutback lane and occupy one of those inside blockers he's trying to climb to Orion Vance, then all of a sudden they have a hard time finding the gaps and they don't have backs that are capable of creating their own space after that occurs.
1: And I think that, in, that's in, where it happens. in addition to that, I think that's one of the biggest things that the, the biggest thing that's going to stop Iowa's running or Iowa's offense is to stop their outside zone running game. It's that this, if you can disrupt that flow, they'll run stuff like power and ISO, meaning they'll bring pullers and they'll run downhill, but they're an outside zone team. They're going to run that play, that stretch zone or that C gap zone or B gap zone, something like that. They're going to run that. 40 times, and they're going to give it to their running backs 40 times, and if you can stop that, and yeah, you were talking about putting them in, in in second and eight and second and nine and third and seven, if you can put that in those positions, how what is the number one complaint of Iowa fans watching Iowa football? This damn third and seven, they run a five-yard hitch. Well, yeah, it's the way they run their offense. A five-yard hitch on third and three is a first down. They don't comfortably right. exist in third and seven, and so in order to right. get those those down stopped, one, the defensive line has to do a really good job in uh, like you were talking about getting those getting those cutback lanes stopped but another thing that will kill this team is penetration. So penetration meaning if you are if I'm Ray Lima and I'm trying to hold you know I'm trying to hold court on the center and I I I eliminate that cutback lane and I don't let the center climb up to the linebacker well now Orion Vance is in the middle the guard is trying to block any and the center is stuck on Ray there's nobody there that is a space between the center and the play side guard that's open Orion Vance will shoot that and go okay I'm unblocked in the backfield the front side of the defense has to do a really good job in not letting the running back get outside of everyone and like we saw with Kanae in the three or four plays that he had they didn't contain him so he just got to run like just keep going you have to have some type of contain on that and a run through on the backside. we don't have to have a run through it just really helps is if you can have some type of contain and make the running back stop and he can't go he can't outrun the defense and go shoot I'm gonna get up the field so he has to stop or turn around or try and just take it up field and then you have a run through with Orion Vance or somebody on the backside and then he can't go left because there's just a, like we talked about with Iowa's defense, there's just a pile of humans because Annie did a really good job of stretching the tackle and the tight end didn't get movement. There's no where he can go front side. There's an open defender that's on a run through in the backside. It doesn't look like a spectacular play, but that play where the running back runs to the left, just kind of stops dances a little bit puts his head down and tries to run forward and it's a minus one yard that doesn't look like a spectacular play but that minus one yard play is enormous for throwing iowa off rhythm because again third and seven they don't know what to do with third and seven they're not comfortable with it they would so much yeah. rather be dominating down the field um so yeah moral of the story that the strength of iowa state's defense is their front seven it's their front three linemen and even when they rotate in uh you know with uh, Peterson and, and Leo and, and Johnson their their strength is that and they're running their linebackers being able to run through and play physical off blocks Iowa's strength is moving other humans in that exact same space so it's a, what is that unstoppable force versus an immovable object that's going to yeah. be an absolute slugfest there's going to be times when Iowa's going to have an 11 play drive that ends in a touchdown at some point it's going to happen but there's also going to be plays where they're third and 13 because there's a TFL on first down they tried to throw on second down a screen pass and Rose sees it and they get another TFL on a screen and it's third and 13 and Stanley takes a sack on third down. Like they're going to have both of those situations happen because it's strength versus strength. That's going to be the most unexciting, exciting football of the entire day is the Iowa offensive line versus the Iowa state defensive line. That's the thing that is going to win or lose the game.
2: And I think you're going to see Jeff in that. I think you're going to see, or based on that, uh, Spears, and Rose on outside zone away are triggered for a contained penetration.
1: A hard for, shoulder, yep. Is there uh, going to hard shoulder a...
2: contained penetration? I, I, and you'll probably see Eisworth support on Spears' side because if I was Iowa, not because Spears isn't great. He's just he little, is. but he's a small. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it at 240 pound. Mike Rose as much as I'm going to try to uh, move out to Spears' side, and then then we've got a guy like Eisworth who can make front side penetration. Uh, with a, a backside down the line, uh, trigger for for Rose, and then you cut off both, and then you still have to contend with Bailey Lima and Uwazurike in the middle. Yeah. So, so that's that. That's why it's it's such a great matchup. Now, switch that. I was also very effective at taking a deep shot once you start coming forward too much. And here's my concern in our secondary. I'm not so concerned about our corners. Uh, but we saw some concerning play out of one of our safeties. So in our past three games against them, you know, in 17, we, we had a safety that was just had no idea where he was on the field uh, at any one time, and it hurt us. Um, same in 16, we had two. Uh, last year, uh, not so much, and they had a really hard time moving the ball downfield uh, except that Stanley, the one thing Stanley does but as good as any quarterback in the country is throw the fade from about the 17-yard line. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's great at it. He places it well. They've scored multiple touchdowns against us in the last three years uh, on, on that exact play on our outside corners. But I like our chances better with Anthony Johnson and, and Young than, than where we've been before. But I don't know if Lewis is back this week, but it would really help. Jared. Because White – White is solid. Eyesworth is solid. Anything. They know where they are, where they should be. Lewis is that type of solid player. I'm hoping he's back, but but that's a position where we could struggle. Also, if you don't tackle mm-hmm. against Iowa. If you don't
1: tackle it, you, you are in deep trouble. You get beat. Yep. So
2: So downfield tackling, open field tackling has to be at a premium don't give them extra yards that they didn't earn
1: and the same situation though is with that penetration getting them off rhythm getting them off script third and 13 or third and seven or second and 12 like those are all downs that they cannot do that they can't set up there and throw that 57 yard play action bomb because there's no threat of a run on third and 14 so if, if you get them off rhythm it really messes with iowa's offense but i think jared's given me the hey you guys need to stop talking thing kind of bull crap yeah. that is
0: well we've already taken 30. up more time than we told jay we would take so
2: <laughs> well dude i'm good for another hour got?
0: <laughs> we're gonna be here till 4 oh, p.m <laughs> i got other stuff uh, to do i got other stuff yeah. to do guys this has been great stuff jay thanks man for taking time we'll talk to you again no soon problem. we can talk to you anytime that uh, that you're available and we'll be happy to have you on
2: sounds good i'll talk to y'all uh sooner than later
0: all right sounds good buddy sounds good brother bye all right jeff the week is here it's we just gotta get through it now
1: it's gonna this is gonna be a long work week
0: yeah this will be a very long work week
1: but alas we must we must endure
0: we must endure and uh and we will do so we'll talk to you guys again next week hopefully hopefully got the cleats here i was gonna say hopefully the shoes will be here and hopefully it will be a celebratory edition of football and random things. And also hopefully everybody would, hopefully everybody will be able to see the cleats. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it my mission
1: to get the cleats here
0: to get it. Well, okay. I can't do anything about that, but to, Oh, to, to get the stream, to so get you the can stream. The victory cleats. Yeah. Yeah. I will make it my life's goal. I don't care if I have to work around the clock. I like your persistence. I don't think it'll take me that long probably <laughs> to figure it out, but I just didn't have time to do it while we, I was also trying to host a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Talk My to you guys again soon. Peace.